From the newest developments in realty and construction to the hottest trends in design lifestyle, we bring you the top thought leaders, most trusted brands, and the most exciting projects in the industry to guide you in acquiring, building, and living in your home wherever it may be. I'm Jules Cruz. I'm John Aguilar. And I'm Isa Litton. Come home to Realty TV Podcast. This episode of the show is very special and a bit unorthodox because I had just come from a project site. It was a project that we built a couple of years ago. And right now, it's been two days since Typhoon Ulysses hit the Philippines and um, wreaked havoc on a lot of the low-lying areas that would usually get inundated by floods. So um, this catastrophe has hit us once again. Some are saying it's almost as bad as the 2009 Ondoy um, uh, typhoon, which in recent memory has really been um, what has caused the most damage and loss of life um, in the Philippines. But now uh, with Typhoon Ulysses, uh, I think it's Ondoy all over again. I had just come from Marikina uh, because Approximately six years ago, um, I built a townhouse project there that conceptually is supposed to withstand another Ondoy or future flooding as, as, as devastating as what Ondoy was. And we always hoped that something like this would never happen again. But we built that house, that townhouse, with another Ondoy in mind. And... I had just come from the site and I'd like to share with you now what happened at the site because I think what happened there is something that will surprise a lot of people. I myself could not believe exactly what, what happened, but I hope um, you, you, you get an appreciation for what the people of Marikina have, have gone through and also, with this podcast, we would like to share something innovative that we were able to do to address flooding in low-lying areas. And, and this is the project called uh, our Flood Adaptive Smart Home in Marikina. So please uh, enjoy this interview um, that I had with the residents of our smart home that we built. This is... Um, Philip and Mali, um, all the way from Marikina City. So right now I'm in um, Marikina and what I'm seeing now compared to what I saw back in 2009 is eerily familiar. It's almost like deja vu. Um, the way everything looks, all the streets just caked in mud and everyone's just trying to make the most of the situation and trying to do their cleaning. Hi. Good morning. How are you? Wow. 
Oh, so yung mga ibang sasakyan, ano, uh, completely submerged ba? Underwater? Yung naabutan talaga? Naabutan talaga. Asa ano, lubog na lubog? Lubog talaga. Grabe. Kayo naman, I mean, safe naman kayo? So, nung... Sobra. Sobra. <laughs> pati, pati ang sasakyan, halagang ano, lahat. Okay, dahil ay isang palidahan dyan yung iba. May mga nagtatanong din sa akin eh, yung architect namin, tapos dati yung professor ko rin na alam niya rin tong... project na to. So tinatanong nila, ano nangyari doon sa Marikina? Nag-work ba yung yung carport? Nag-work talaga siya. Nag-work talaga. Actually, dami na bilip dito. Sobra. Lahat ng mga nangumusta ng mga kaibigan ko, tinanong yung sasakyan nyo, sinend ko yung video, yung picture. Yun. Bilip na bilip sila. So sabi nila, dapat pala lahat ng taga Marikina may ganyan. Sabi ko, kasi dyan. It's working as it's supposed to be. Um, very good. Very nice. Smart na smart talaga. <laughs> smart home. <laughs> so I'm back right now and I had just come from the project site in Marikina. And right now I am going to be joined by none other than the architect of our flood adaptive smart home. He is the chief design ambassador of Buen Salido Architects. He is none other. Then Jason Buencelido. Jason, how are hey, you doing? Hey, I'm doing well, doing good. Uh, good to see you and good to be here, joining you here this uh, podcast. Jason, I'm very happy to share with you that the, well, the carport that you designed, it was a success. So the car actually um, went up and um, the, the, the raft that you built Uh, pretty much carried the weight of the car. So the neighbors weren't so lucky, but yeah. for our project, it was a success because in, in their case, the, the car uh, was spared from, from, from the flood. So uh, the occupants were very happy and uh, they were profusely thanking um, us, uh, the, the, the team, for what happened because if not for the design I think um, they would have had a, a very hard time. I think some of the neighbors were really, were really devastated and, and, and you know, uh, at a loss for words. But fortunately, they were okay. So, yeah. Yeah. Congratulations, Jason. Great, great design. Great, uh, great work with the design. Thank you. But, you know, congrats uh, to you too, you know, for being the uh, visionary behind the whole thing and letting us do uh, what we did, right? <laughs> I'm just happy. I'm just happy. Yeah, what they were telling me was that the way the project was designed was perfect. I mean, the way, um, I guess, we envisioned it and the way eventually we were able to build it um, really addressed the needs of people who were in Marikina back during Undoy. No? It, it was a very difficult period for them because they had lost their cars. Um, yeah. A lot of them lost um, their, their, their major appliances. And in this case... Um, it was all saved because of the design that you came up with. So, Jason, I'd like for you to take us through, in your own words, right. um, the design intent for Project Smart Home. Because it's been a couple of years. We finished that project back in 2014. It's now 2020. Yeah. Um, so, take us through the design intent. And when we briefed you, what were the right. things that stood out for you that, that made you design Uh, the way you did for this particular yeah. project. Yeah. Um, I, I distinctly remember when you approached me about the project. And um, in fact, I think 
you opened up with an apology uh, saying that, Jason, I hope you, I'm sorry if I sound crazy, but this is, I wanna, this is what I want to do. And you kind of introduced to me this idea of um, uh, climate adaptive or a flood adaptive home. Um, and if I was up for the challenge. And at that time, I distinctly also remember that um, I really was looking for an opportunity to help people uh, that were affected, not only in Marikina, but uh, I guess all over the Philippines and the flood-prone areas all over the Philippines by Ondoy. And um, around that time, uh, we were also uh, sort of looking for a new meaning for what architecture is and could be and what are new opportunities for uh, us to be able to use architecture to help more people in a more relevant way, especially in response to the ever-changing climate, right? And so when you approached me, um, I, I think uh, what I told you was, John, no need for an apology because I'm in 100%, 100 million percent all in. Um, and so that was the easy part. Me right. saying yes. The harder part was um, actually to you know get down and dirty, and um, to prepare the design response. But prior to that, of course, uh, the first step was really trying to understand the situation, because uh, in the firm, our core principle really is uh, this belief that architecture is simply a response to context, and uh, the reality is the sad reality is that the context that we are dealing with as architects, as developers, as human beings, are changing and evolving, not necessarily in a positive kind of manner, but in an ever-growing, uh, challenging uh, situation. And one of them is really climate change. Combine that with poor infrastructure, poor governance, poor maintenance of our infrastructure as well, then you result in flooding, right? And uh, the reality is uh, flooding is part of the context for that specific site that you brought forth uh, to us. And so it was one of the things that we had, we had to respond to. So when we were researching about the situation, we took aside preconceived notions of solutions or typical uh, you know, uh, solu architectural solutions and tried to understand the situation. And you know, we interviewed people around the uh, specific vicinity and discovered that uh, the way that they prepared for the next uh, Ondoy which was, you know, inconceivable at the time, was they put a lot of plastic bottles, you know, if you remember, right? Right, right. Uh, they, they put it in trash bags. So you know, that, that, that was a very funny story because yeah. um, I remember um, Gabe Mercado, who was one of our hosts, yeah. when we went around, uh, that old lady who, uh, who you mentioned yeah. um, had that. Um, we thought for a moment that the, the, the bottles that uh, she, were, she was actually showing us, we thought that they were for emergency water, yeah. right? But in, in, in this case, it was very different. Yeah. What was the use, Jason? <laughs> I think uh, she meant for it to be an emergency evacuation flotation device. Right. right? So that was their plan for uh, the next Ondoy or, or the next flood that would occur was for them to float away from their home to the nearest evacuation center because we found out, you and I, and the team, of course, that the number one problem because of the rate of the rising of the flood at the time was escape and access. They didn't have time to react to the flood. They thought it was just another typhoon, uh, not knowing that it would totally erase some of the villages there, right? And so 
uh, a lot of them were stuck on the rooftop of their houses for days and days. They had no means of communications because their phones were out, uh, uncharged, right? And so we wanted to kind of um, help uh, alleviate at least this uh, situation in the event that uh, it happens again. But uh, we wanted to make it clear that uh, this architectural solution would simply be a temporary solution, right? Uh, because of course, in a perfect world, the, the, the solution would be not to build in these flood-prone areas at all. Right, right. Right? I mean, in a perfect world, you would have infrastructure, uh, sewer lines, uh, cities that are master-planned in such a way that they respect the environment, uh, they allow you know, uh, water to go back to the water table and so on. But the reality is that it's not. I mean, sewers are clogged, drains are clogged and so on, causing floods. So, you know, we try to understand also the situation of the residents, knowing that a lot of them didn't really have a choice but to stay in their current property. They didn't have the means to simply vacate with a snap of a finger. So there had to be a, an architectural solution, even if it was a temporary one, to allow them to sort of coexist with this ever-changing negative context, right? Right. You know, Jason, it, it, it really brings us to also a lot of people speaking negatively about people not vacating or, you know, they're, they're saying in local speak, hindi na sila nadala or, you know, they never right. learned their lesson. But right. what people don't realize is that a lot of these people who live there, live there because they sometimes do not have a choice. You know, they're, they're there because they've been there for generations. That's their only property. And in some cases also, they cannot possibly see themselves uprooting themselves yeah. from Marikina because that is considered home, regardless of what happens on a year-to-year -year basis, uh, yeah. which is very unfortunate because it is not an ideal scenario. But yeah. um, that's the thing. Who are we to judge on their decision? Because it's easy to say, you know, you have a choice, but you know, if you really look, look at the situation, to vacate an entire city is, is virtually impossible. You will have people there living there for generations to come. It is a fact that we cannot ignore. So um, personally, for me also, the, the premise by which we built and when I, when I approached you that time was because we knew that people will be building there as well in the future. And we might as well um, build something that would sort of serve as a solution, like what you mentioned earlier, that if there is something that can be done, yeah. at least we do it well. And, and that's really how we came into it. And when we approached you uh, coming up with that, that intent. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So uh, basically when we were gathering the, the data, one of the things that we found out was the flood level um, on that particular street. And if I remember correctly, it was about eight feet. 2.4 right. meters. That's right. And so, you know, once we gathered all of those uh, bits of information, we then started to address them uh, one by one, right? And so um, taking our inspiration from the vernacular, right? I mean, you know, uh, let's not stop with the Bahay Kubo. Uh, the Bahay Kubo obviously is lifted to be on stilts uh, for ventilation, uh, but then you also have vernacular models like tree houses in the Philippines so that they can protect themselves at night, uh, you know, from, from the wild, right? So in this case, we took our cue from that. We lifted the house to be on stilts, uh, but, not but now instead of responding to the wild, 
or just to simply uh, get better ventilation, now it's responding to the flood. So the ground level of our property, we, we filled it up and elevated it, um, I think um, almost one and a half meters, if I'm not mistaken. And then from there, we didn't even build at that uh, point yet, right? Uh, except for the stair access, what we did is we elevated the entire house so that the main house is now on the second floor and the third floor. Um, and then um, the next thing that we did is we flipped right, the public spaces, the living dining kitchen, which is typically on the lower floor, with the sleeping areas, which are typically on the upper floor, so that in case uh, a flood that is worse than Ondoy happens again, it's only your mattresses, the clothes that are going to get wet because the rest of your appliances, your sofa, you know, your TV, uh, your microwave, your ref, and so on are all on the third floor. Um, and what we did also is we uh, even located the main electrical panel on the third floor. And one of the, you know, the thinking behind that is that even if the flood levels uh, reaches the second floor bedrooms, uh, the family could still evacuate on a larger space, in this case, an open living dining kitchen, so that at least they can be together and congregate, not in a confined, confined sort of space, but in a large space where all of uh, the things that you need during an emergency is, is, is basically there. Your kitchen is there. Therefore, your food is there. Uh, you know, uh, we put solar um, on, on the house. So at least there's also an opportunity for emergency charging um, and so on. You're, you're higher up on the third level. So you have a better vantage point um, as to what's happening in the vicinity. So, so in the simple kind of um, reconfiguration and rearrangement of spaces, I think we, we were able uh, to kind of address the, the flood. But uh, if you remember, we didn't stop there. Um, we added uh, rafts or what we called regenerative amphibious floating terraces uh, in the design of uh, the entire home that came in two forms. The first was actually a balcony raft, right? It's, it was a balcony that can detach so that you can row yourself uh, to the nearest evacuation center, addressing now the problem of escape. And now if, if you listen to the news, um, you know, in the past couple of uh, days, flotation devices or even boats were being requested for in, in the form of donations because that's uh, exactly what, uh, let's say, the lifeguards or, uh, you know, people would need so that they can save uh, the families who were stuck in their homes, right? So we gave them that, if you remember, and, 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 and we tried our best to make it as simple as possible. I remember that we were even joking that, uh, okay, the first one who buys the home, we will give you a free oar or a saguan, right? <laughs> and at that time, it was really a, a, a funny matter, right. not knowing that it would be needed again, right? And, and most of us, well, all of us would um, actually say, I wish that th this home would never be needed. Exactly. You know what? Um, when you had reached out to me the other night asking how they were, yeah. I thought we would never get to that point because... Yeah. We all wish that another Ondoy would not happen. Unfortunately, it has again. Right. But Jason, would you like to find out what happened? Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Especially with the carport. Because right. as, uh, as I was mentioning, there were two kinds of rafts, right? Uh -huh. One was the balcony so that you can detach it. And the other one is a carport that sort of floats uh, in place. 
because as you know, during Undoy, a lot of people lost their cars, their homes, their appliances. Right. And um, a lot of uh, the insurance companies wouldn't even want to insure your vehicle knowing that uh, you live in a flood-prone area. And so another uh, kind of solution was called for. So in this case, it was a raft that would allow your car to float in place. And I remember that you and I, we tested it on Marikina River. Exactly, right? exactly. <laughs> Nobody wanted to volunteer his or her car exactly. <laughs> at the time. So we had to approximate the weight of a small uh, you know, a vehicle with sandbags and all. And then um, I think there were six of us floating uh -huh. on the river, on the raft um, itself. Um, That's correct. With, uh, yeah. with Doc Ted uh, Esguera, he yeah. will be joining us on the show later. But Jason, you have no idea what happened. Now, yeah. I will tell you exactly what happened. So I was just there this morning. Yeah. And, um, well, the, the, the occupants, the residents were very, very surprised that, well, the, the floatable carport floated. Essentially, their car, which is a sedan, right. was spared from the flood. Wow. So the, the, the great thing about the design is that the, the, the very first floor itself is actually already elevated. We built higher. I think, like right. you said, it, it was about a, a meter and a half um, higher than uh than the the street level. level yeah so that aided um yeah. their their car but apart from that mm -hmm. when the flood waters came in yeah uh, they were so surprised that the car actually started going up it, it, you, you would hardly they were saying that you know they could hardly feel it see it because it was very stable the way that it was going up so you can just imagine the floodwaters coming in. It would be gradual, right. uh, but you know uh, there was no instability whatsoever, according mm -hmm. to them, in terms of how it was slowly going up. So you could hardly notice that this thing was actually taking the car wow. up higher wow. and higher and higher. And but here's the thing: it landed in the same house. Uh, it landed in the same house. It didn't land. On <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's the the great thing about your design, Jason, is that. Uh, because you had these guideposts that uh, allowed the carport to stay in place, they were actually very scared that that would be the case where, you know, that it would get swept away. But because you had your guideposts there, um, it was stable and it was just held in place. Now, um, the amazing thing about this is that, uh, you know, uh, it was 6 a.m. They were telling me mm -hmm. the, the, the flood water started coming in. But when they sensed that, the car itself was floating, they were no longer afraid for the water coming into the car. Do you know what they were afraid of? No. Um, they had built a makeshift uh, roof overhang okay. above the carport. Oh, okay. Which, right. which, uh, which I know was never your design intent, right? right. They, they had built a roof on top right. of it. So they were actually worried that their sedan would hit the roof. Ah, yeah. Because Jason, you never designed it that way. It was supposed because to be of open. That purpose. Because of exactly. That purpose. Yeah. It, it was supposed to go up. So they had built a roof. So their 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 fear was if it had gone up further, then definitely the car would have hit their roof. Which, right. which so it didn't. it didn't. It didn't. It didn't. But they 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 put some um some cushions there. Okay. So they were saying that it was almost there. I mean okay. had the Flood water's gone up a little bit more than the car would have hit the roof. <laughs> so it was that crazy. And they were just very thankful that they had that because if they could see, I mean, they were looking around, people were swimming 
to right. check on their cars, which they had parked across, um, uh, you know, a, a few a few blocks uh, on a higher plane. Right. So those that could not move their houses, forget it. Their cars yeah. were all underneath um, neck deep waters. Did did so, they have to use the balcony raft, or did they land it to? So. Yeah. Fortunately, the balcony raft, they, they did not have to use it. Okay, so wow. I saw it a while ago and it was never touched. Right. So they were saying that although this flood was pretty high, it was not as high as Undoy. Yeah. Time because that time, uh, it was, I think, eight feet. Right. Um, in this case, it was still above um, you know, a normal, yeah. typical Filipino, right? A typical Filipino is about maybe 5'5", five, 5'8". Five, five, yeah. So, uh, yeah, it was still above a normal person's height, but not high enough that it was as high as Ondoy. So, okay. um, fortunately, they did not have to use wow. okay. the, the raft that, um, that you uh, designed for them. That's but, good. yeah, they were, they were very, very um, thankful, relieved, amazed. Wow. <laughs> uh, a lot mind. of their neighbors, <laughs> yeah, I mean, a lot of their neighbors went to them and we're checking up on the car. They they were truly amazed because yeah, yeah. Uh, they saw for themselves how you know the the car was floating. Right, right. <laughs> and a lot of their friends also checked up on them. People who knew that they were living in Marikina, and all they could say was, you know, it's amazing what what just happened to us. Yeah. Because they could um, actually have lent their balcony raft to those neighbors who were swimming to check up on their cars. You know, I that mean, that's possible. That, that that, they could have done that. Yeah, I'm sure you know, in the midst of all of those, uh, all of the panic, they didn't think about it. Right. But, you know, in the future, that could be a possibility. Right. And you know what also happened, Jason? Yeah. So um, their neighbors across the street, right. um, actually, they, they invited them to the house. So right. what happened is that um, the, the husband and wife, they were on the second floor. So the bedrooms are on the second floor, right? Right. So there are three kids. They... Um, they allowed them to sleep upstairs with okay. two of their kasambahais, two of their okay. helpers. Um, the, the husband and wife, they were on the second floor in the master's bedroom. Mm-hmm. But two families, they invited to stay with them. So oh, in the wow. other room on the second floor, they actually had two families staying with them there. Wow. So wow. there were three families in total in that house um, uh, during the night of, of that, that very heavy storm. And, um, you know, it, it, it was a lifesaver for them. And, uh, you know, they, they were just very thankful that they, they said in, their, in, in these words, not these exact words, but they said, this house, the way it was designed is perfect for what we just experienced. Because if you come to think of it, um, none of their major appliances or furniture were damaged because the ground floor is practically empty. Right. Um, they're... They had enough room so that they could invite other people to join them, and uh, their car was safe. And you know, the the food, all their major supplies, their their air conditioning system, the electrical, it was all on the third floor. So, um, brilliant, Jason! Congratulations. The the design fits specifically um, their dilemma. Uh, they 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 were actually thinking at a certain point. Um, like a, a, a year or two ago that, you know, should we have really gone this far mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to purchase something like this, this crazy? Right. But they were last night just thinking, buti na lang or, you know, thank God. I, I think they, they tried to express in words, but all they could say repeatedly was thank you, thank you. Wow. 
for for building this and, and for you doing know, this. Thanks, thanks for telling that story, John. Because you know, truth be told, the first day that you approached me, you know, uh, yes, I'll do it, right? Um, but then half of me was, uh, of course, scared that you know can we really deliver? I mean, we're talking about you know something that's very serious that could that right. mean life or death for uh, right. out of families, right? And that story really warms my heart and fills my heart, and I guess you know gives us the courage to, I guess, continue to look for more ways on how to transform architecture as a platform to help or improve even uh, more lives, right? And what you just said um, is, is is actually very um, funny because we can be so intentional about designing a lot of things, but then at the end of the day. Sometimes you you don't know what the design is going to transform into. Like for example, we wanted a house that can allow people to escape, right? right? Not even thinking that this same house that we designed can be an evacuation center for your neighbors, for exactly for people that for that they live with in the vicinity. Exactly. So, wow, wow, John, thank you, thank you. You can't imagine the goosebumps that I'm having <laughs> right now. <laughs> and you know. Um, this this project i think is something that i would like a lot of people to 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 know about yeah. i think every time there's a major storm i think yeah. you and i always look to this and and kind yeah. of have something at the back of our minds uh, going you know there's something there that okay how i i wonder how they're doing and if if the the house is holding up i think this this year and this storm in particular is proof that an ondoy, or you know, in this case, this recent catastrophe is not going to be a once in a generation thing. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, this will be something that will be part of our, I guess, normal uh, lives. I mean, if you're are yeah. if you're if you're living in a low lying area like Marikina, uh, it's going to be part of um, your life. Uh, there's no. Uh, way to escape it, yeah. but I think if people learn to be able to work with what they have and be smart about how they design and build and and eventually how they also respond to you know a, a flood such as this, I think we'll be able to save more lives and and and, and allow people to 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 save not just life but property as well because. I think in, this is a case in point. Uh, this resident, mm-hmm. uh, they they were hardly affected. They were scared, but they came out of it just really thankful that they were all safe and in the process also helping other people. So I think Jason, if you know, we could um, spread this to more people. Yeah. Um, you know, you don't you don't actually have to have, I think, a, a floatable carport. To learn from this experience, I think a lot of what uh, you shared through the design of this, people can adapt in their own home designs, right? It's not like you need something as, uh, I guess, experimental as a floatable carport. Because a lot of the things that um, you put into the design of this house, people can actually learn from. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I remember when you briefed me about the project, uh, Jason, um, I want to call it Project Smart Home. But as you know, there are different definitions of uh, smart, right? Uh, on, on one hand, you have the high-tech uh, smart, you know, automatic lighting, uh, smart home, uh, voice-activated uh, equipment, and so on. But on the other hand, there's just smartly designed homes in the sense that, um, 
you know, basic logic. So in this case, majority of the design components um, were simply, uh, were low tech solutions, simple rearrangement of spaces, using, uh, using a technology that didn't allow water to infiltrate the walls in the event of um, flooding. I mean, the flotation devices were just bonuses that you, know, you, you indulged in experimenting with us as well. So that was a bonus. And um, we, we were not able to install in all of the houses, right? But uh, because of the budget constraints as well. And so exactly what you said, that a lot of the features of Project Smart Home or this climate adaptive um, or flood adaptive smart home can be replicated, right? In, uh, right. in, in majority of uh, people's homes. Yes. You know, Jason, going back to when we were building this, I remember the first time that you came up with the design and we tried to do the costing yeah. I think the initial design was very prohibitive because um, the initial concept, I think, uh, would have us use those drums, right? Those blue right. drums, yeah, yeah. right? So, mm -hmm. so that was the, the original design. Mm -hmm. But then again, when we were doing the pencil pushing, yeah. the total cost just to be able to build and accommodate that, I think, went to over a million just for the yes. carport. Yes. So luckily enough, we were able to find other suppliers for what we used for this particular project, yeah. which are the flotation devices that you would usually see in, uh, you know, those docking areas yeah. in, in beaches or yeah. uh, your, or marinas. Yeah. And because we had used a smaller profile for the flotation device, we were able to significantly lower the cost. I'm still not too happy with how um, it was prohibitive in terms of cost because it was a one-off. Right? right, we don't right. have the economies of scale. We were experimenting. Um, to be honest, I think when we spent, I think we we were able to spend more or less around five hundred thousand pesos in terms of cost for the floatable the carport. Yeah. So that's with um, the flotation device and yeah. the steel framing. But I feel, Jason, that I think if developers if you know people who are looking to build something similar mm -hmm. can do this you know with, with economies of scale in mind i think you know we could really make this a uh, a solution that can be uh, affordable yeah. and that can be feasible for a lot of subdivisions that are in low lying areas i think this is a starting point yeah. and i think in the future uh, whether it's you or other people you know they can be more creative as well in how they can try to imagine, you know, um, themselves as well adapting to, to a flood. I think this is one, uh, although very crazy, but effective <laughs> example yeah. of ingenuity, a little bit of creative, um, you know, uh, uh, innovation. And I think, you know, I think we, we at that time were in a point in our lives, I think we were both in our early 30s <laughs> yeah. uh, when we were willing to try anything, right? Yeah, yeah. But of course, in the context of it saving people and, and allowing them to, 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 I guess, have a fighting chance when it comes to a, a flood or a calamity like this. You made a very important point, John. Um, I remember when we were discussing also before, we were saying that, you know, we, we, we didn't want to um, basically uh, provide a solution that they would have to come to us for them to be able to build, right? Right. We wanted to be at, uh, come up with a, an idea that could at least be a starting point, 
right. that could at least inspire other people or at, le- at least that could allow people to think that, hey, yeah, that, that could be possible. What if we do this? What if we make it better, right? And um, w- I guess what happened was that uh, ever since we built it, there was no need uh, for, those, for the said uh, flotation devices that we put in place. Uh, but now um, that uh, the need arose, uh, no pun intended, uh, right? <laughs> um, hopefully, really, uh, developers who have the financial capacity to build homes like this at a large scale will uh, think about it um, as well so that lives will be saved, uh, lives will be improved, as you said. You know, Jason, I think this experience has taught us that, you know, as, as a d- developer and you as a designer, as an architect, um, we really can make a difference. And I think that if you are creative and, and, and if you think of things beyond, um, because, you know, to be honest, for us to gamble on something like this as a pocket developer uh, was no joke because I knew for a fact that building something like this would incur cost, Right. Uh, I knew that it would not automatically translate to profit, right? Uh, I knew that it was a risky proposition. And I knew at some point it was maybe not the best thing to do if all I wanted to do was just to earn from a project, right? right. Yeah. But I think the, the, the bigger picture here is that doing something like this and what it does for Marikina, for example, yeah. I think that you cannot um, you cannot pay for in terms of uh, mo- any monetary, um, I guess, incentive or amount. Because I think what this does for the community is that despite what happened, it gives them, um, I guess, an opportunity to think and, and imagine what can be done in the future. Yeah. Because I think that's the most important thing with what we had just done with this project. It's really giving people, I guess, that moment to to think that this is going to happen to us you know, whether we like it or not, more often than we care to imagine. And I think uh, they really have to act now because it's so funny. When I was going around Marikina earlier, people were cleaning up. There were even people who were painting their gates already, right? So, you know, life will go on and it always will. Yeah. but, But it can go on in a better way. And I think you can bounce back from something like this better if you're more prepared. Yeah. So I think, Jason, um, I think it, 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 it's great that um, you came up with this design because, uh, and, I, and I do hope that a lot more people yeah. um, come by the project and, and try to check and, and see. And, and also in, in, in the show notes, we'll also share with your permission right. um, the, the design. And hopefully uh, that, you know, more, more people, architects, designers, uh, developers, even people who are building their own homes, learn from uh, the design principles that uh, we've shared here in the project. I'm just really so thankful, John, that you approached us in particular um, because, you know, uh, we also were trying to look for more meaningful projects um, at that time, specifically when you approached us until now. But, um, of course, the reality is uh, majority of developers, um, their number one goal and objective is always profit. And then everything else is secondary. But when you approached us, profit and, you know, the commercial viability of the project was secondary to you. Um, The first was really how to come up with a way to help people in these flood-prone areas. And uh, 
when you said that, I, we, we, we told ourselves that, hey, this opportunity will not uh, come by very often. In fact, it never had uh, ever since uh, you, you chose to work with us. And so when you said that, hey, this is our um, kind of target market, this is our working budget, if you remember, we agreed to waive um, our fees, John, um, just for us to be given that kind of opportunity to use architecture and design uh, to help people, right? That's right. And so I hope also that this would be a wake-up call to not only the designers, uh, for them to realize that uh, there's there's uh, architecture can be beyond the usual, uh, beyond the norm, right? But also to the developers, to the builders of homes, uh, to the to the people who really come up with these physical uh, shells wherein we get to live our lives, right? To to really come up with solutions that are sen- that are sensitive to context. And that context is different from place to place, from person to person, and from family to family. So yeah, thanks, John, um, and to your entire team for giving us this once-in-a-lifetime uh, opportunity. Jason, thank you also. It is our pleasure and our honor to have you join us for this project. It's been a few years since we finished yeah. uh, this project, but I think the impact is going to be felt um, hopefully um, many, many more years to come. And, and I hope this is the start of something, I guess, a little bit more positive yeah. for people who are in places such as Marikina. Yeah. And I think our, our brothers and sisters in Cagayan also uh, are very, very badly affected. We hope that this can be also something that can serve as, I guess, an inspiration or, or, or you know, at least um, allow people to also imagine what they can do yeah. in, in other parts of the country. Um, I think... Uh, this has been a great collaboration, Jason, and uh, thank you for, for, for doing this with us. Um, it's been an honor. It, it's, it's a great honor to work with someone. Give things like this a shot. Thank you, John, for giving us the opportunity. It's an honor, too. Okay, so that was Jason uh, Buen Salido, Chief Design Ambassador of Buen Salido Architects. Thanks, Jason. Thank you, John. Okay, right now we're joined by another very special guest, he is a disaster and relief operations expert. He is none other than Dr. Ted Esguera. Doc, thank you for joining us here on the podcast. Hi. Uh, hello, Jan. And um, I hope you are okay and you're safe. Yes, uh, I'm very, very safe, uh, Doc. Thank you for joining us here today. I know the past few days have been really extremely busy for you. Um, you've mm-hmm. been helping as usual the the victims of uh, this very devastating typhoon Ulysses and hats off to you doc I know that just a few months ago you actually uh, were uh, confined in the hospital you 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 are a COVID survivor yeah <laughs> here you are a couple of months later um, doing your usual thing of helping people evacuating and and giving relief to our Kababayans here in the country so. Dr. Ted, um, remember we had Project uh, Smart Home, the, the flood mm-hmm. adaptive home that we built. Uh, I had just come from there this morning and I have a bit of good news for you. So mm-hmm. the floatable carport actually floated. So wow. remember, yes, we tested this in Manikina River with you. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So you helped us uh, test this and 
you know, it it actually floated doc uh, yesterday. Uh, they, they they told us that um, the, the their car was actually saved by the floatable carport. Uh, well, first of all, thank you for uh, you know being part of this project and for helping us test it when we tested it with you in Marikina River. Uh, you know, John, um, I was being asked, I think, um, uh, by one program on how we can resolve the issue. Because, you know, you cannot separate the man from the land. Right. Even if it's like, you know, you're alongside Marikina River and it's not going to end up like magic. It's like the story of the people in Indonesia after the great uh, tsunami. After six months, you can find them that, them near the place where uh, their families uh, have perished. And same with Yolanda. Now, let's just use technology before. Uh, what they did was stealth houses. And with a smart home, smart house, and uh, you know, it's some sort of uh, way we can be we can align, you know, it's, it's a Darwinistic principle that we're going to combat uh, the effects of this hydrometeorological hazard, but you have to align with it. Now, if we cannot remove you from the area where it floods uh, frequently, then we have to readjust our, uh, our uh, abode, our behavior, and our lifestyle. So, gusto ko yung house na yan, kasi we have to make it that way, because whether we like it or not, we have to go back so fast. Kasi katulad ngayon, I've been requested by some few friends from Marikina, even from our good friend there, si Dave David, the one who has the DRR. We are cleaning it up right now, requesting volunteer firefighters to bring their fire trucks there and clean households. Now, if you have those smart homes wherein the place that the... The base part is just simply, it's just empty, just to prepare for something else. And it can be adjusted into something. But there's flooding. You know, there's not much maintenance there, which will really cost us a lot, for number one. Number two, uh, to, in the issue of resilience, it is how you bounce back so fast. But uh, we can go back to our normal lives. Now, you end up cleaning and fixing your house because it's not as smart as it should be. I think it is... Uh, that, that's not very productive when it comes to we call the resilience campaign. No? Uh, sabi nga ni, ano eh, ni, ni, ni Darwin, no? hindi natin pwedeng banggain kung ano man yan. But we can just go with it. The, the, the thought eh. Because it's there. Pagbaba, typhoons are there and it, we will be visited from time to time. Particularly, Philippines is uh, one of the vulnerable countries when we, we talk about rising sea water and the frequency of uh, typhoons and heavy rains. And of course, the great rivers like Marikina. And then because of progress that we put lots of, you know, residences and industrial uh, zones, and there comes the urban flood. Wala tayong magawa. The new stealth houses being practiced in Vietnam and in this uh, location is the same with the concept of the smart home. So it, it's... Uh, we are aligning it that way, no? To, for us to be robust and to be resilient, yan ang isang maneuver You know, Doc, we really appreciate having you on board when we tested uh, the smart home, particularly the the floatable carport when we, we tested it with you, of all places, in the Marikina River. So mm-hmm. thanks to your expertise, uh, we went out there and tested the floatable carport, the raft. 
um, yeah, yeah. when we put it out there and simulated the weight of an SUV with our own body weight. I think there were around six of us there, plus sandbags that simulated the weight of an SUV. And we, we did a couple of movements on board to test the stability. And uh, I think we got your, your, your thumbs up back then, and, and we felt that it was going to be safe. But um, you know, there's nothing like really uh, a real-life uh, application that puts whatever it is that you do to the test. And yesterday was the test that that carport has been waiting for, which, you know, uh, knock on wood, um, you know, is not something that we wish would have happened, but it did. And um, it stood up. It stood up to, to the flood. And uh, I'd like to get a sense of what that means to someone like you who is constantly faced with trying to rescue people time and again, um, uh, trying to save lives, uh, property as well. What does something like this mean to you in the context of looking at, let's say, rescue efforts? Because apart from the, 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 the carport, we also had the floatable balcony that okay. um, would serve as an escape mechanism, which yeah. I also tested with you. If you remember, yeah. we were in Marikina River, you and I, testing that, that small raft and, and going back and forth and trying to test uh, our weights and trying to see if we could actually row um, using that, that small raft. So take us through, Doc, what you remember from, from that moment. Because fortunately, they did not need to use that. But, you know, obviously, there is a need for, for a raft. Uh, contraption in your yeah. in your place of residence. I agree with you, John, because uh, there might be a freak incidents wherein the flood is so massive, and uh, it will really uh, it, it, it will be oh, so much the volume of water from the likes of Sierra Madre, and uh, we might be able to you know it, it might reach into the next floor of the smart home. Then we have this escape pod or the escape balcony. Uh, this is better than, uh, you know, waiting for your chance on the rooftop. And what if there's really none? Like what, like like what's happening right now in 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 um, uh, Cagayan. So the the escape balcony can help us out. And it's not only like escape balcony. Uh, I just would like to remind everyone: smart home has also amenities like. Uh, you have to you have to have the, the life ring and the vest that because that's mandatory. So it's like a package of everything, and um, I think this is the best way to really give importance uh, in, in how much is your family. I always ask people if you want to prepare. It's like you go passing the board exam or bar exam. It's like going to heaven. You just don't. Make it happen by eating tapsilog. So you have to work on it. Smart home is like that. It is putting value to a family. Home, in Tagalog, is tahanan. Hango sa salitang tahan, meaning peace. Now, if you have like uh, those amenities which can widen the margin of survival of your mother, father, son, daughter, that is really a smart family in a smart home. And being a smart family in a smart home is a family that looks into the hazard, which is so personal. People forget that 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 uh, hazards hit you very personally. 
So, this is how we can reconfigure ourselves, help ourselves in order for us to have better uh, way forward in looking at these incidents because whether we like it or not, yearly it's gonna knock on our door. So always find the worth in your family by looking into the whites of their eyes and say, how much is my family? Now, if you think that if your family is cheap, then maybe we don't avail of any survival uh, techniques or amenities. But if you think your family is like heaven and earth, I think we have to be smart enough to understand situations by having the likes of smart hope. Doc, you know, that really means a lot coming from you who has seen both the forest and the trees, literally, because one minute you would be high up, you know, hundreds, maybe even thousands of feet up in a chopper overseeing rescue operations. And another minute you're down there in the trenches or in this case, you know, in the uh, neck deep or even beyond uh, floodwaters uh, deep in, in, in rescue efforts for our Kababayans. And at the, at the end of it, and, and the, the whole point of it being, um, and, and, which is to your point, it's really how much do you value your family? I think that's, that's the, you know, coming from you and someone who's also had a brush with death many times, mo mo most recently with your COVID scare. I think it also puts into perspective just what, what, what we value and where we put, um, I guess, value in. You have to invest in preparing for events such as this. We can no longer take something like this for granted. It, it will be happening uh, every so often. Before, we thought um, Ondoy was a once-in-a-lifetime or once-in-a-generation event. Obviously, that is no longer the case. It's always going to be happening. And, and Doc, I'd like to get uh, your opinion, your advice for those who value um, their lives, the lives of their families, their family members, people who are living in low-lying areas, what are the practical um, tips or advice that you can share that anyone can do? Not, not just someone who probably has resources to come up with something special like a floatable carport, but you know, practical advice that any family um, who is put in such a situation can adapt into their household. Okay, number one um, is for us to know, uh, we co like collaborating with our barangay or municipal or city uh, disaster risk reduction management office. Uh, ask them or through the internet, the hazards uh, that are around the community, flooding, fire, whatever it is. Two is you really have to prepare your household by creating plan or uh, in case there is like flooding, what do we do or other hazards like fire next is you have to do stockpile in case we will be in the shelter in place uh, protocol is being uh, ordered or we have to come up with go bags per member of the family including your pets and your livestock in case we need to evac evacuate and last but not least is we have to practice it from time to time so that uh, Collectively, the community will be more uh, into it, will be more engaged. And then uh, we have to note that in case we are being hit by the typhoon and we are inside the house, then we have to do maneuvers like, you know, um, since we don't have uh, storm shutters yet, I hope smartphone will create storm shutters. These are like metal jealousy in Pacific countries that you can close them to to for you not to have the, you know, strong waves hitting your glass panels there. 
and uh, any electrical thing, electronics or uh, electrical items from the first floor, if it's flooded, then you have to move it back and you have to shut down breakers and uh, you have to reserve your batteries in case you need a flashlight and in case you, there are no lights, you use the candle, it should be, you have to use it safely that uh, you just don't leave the candle when everyone is sleeping because it, we might survive drowning, but there might be fire. And of course, uh, after the ordeal or after the uh, typhoon, in case we evacuated, then we must not uh, just go inside the house if it's full of debris, debris, as there might be like uh, animals or or any any like sharp uh, items there that can really injure us. And you can take pictures for insurance purposes, and uh, just don't uh, you know be sure that. Uh, uh, Electricity is not around because there might be down 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 lines or whatever. And uh, another thing is we have to take care of our health as we, you know, recover and clean our household. And I would like to uh, challenge uh, the community because the government might not into this um, to to really understand uh, how we can adjust things is for us to get talents in amongst inside the government and amongst the uh, private sector. Uh, so for us to uh, reformat our community and reconfigure our families. This campaign or uh, the advocacy or this project of the smart home is one slice of the pie so that collectively we can create a very sustainable, productive community despite the issue that our country is along the accident and disaster corridor. So it's not only being reactive that we can define ourselves as sturdy Filipinos, but we have to understand risk reduction. If we can prevent uh, ugly things from happening or destroying our houses, that's the wisest thing that we can do. And that's the essence of, of uh, the, the, the Sendai platform of 2015, the international platform that we are doing in risk reduction. And I think uh, being a doctor, Prevention is better than cure. Uh, because if you think that uh, it's a little bit expensive of having smart home, then try accident and try all this trouble and let's count money after all this trouble, <laughs> uh, after all this uh, post-typhoon dilemma that we will be facing. Very, very well said, Doc. And what, what really struck me is what you said about practicing. Practicing, I guess, maneuvers, um, methods by which you will prepare for something like this. Because up until now, it's happened numerous times, but up until now, people get caught flat-footed. And it just goes to show that there is no, I guess, procedure in place um, within, maybe it's the local government, maybe it's even within the subdivision that puts people at a point where they are prepared to handle something like this. And it's not like this is the first time because it has happened before. And there's no reason why we can't be more prepared for when another Ondoy, another Ulysses happens to us again. So, Doc, thank you very much for your time. I really value your input and time. I know that you're a very busy man. You, you are constantly coordinating all of these rescue efforts, and you yourself have been very instrumental in helping save a lot of people's lives. And for that, we thank you very much, Dr. Ted Desguerra, for all that you do and for also escaping the claws of death. Thank God for, um, for, for you being here right now. 
despite you contracting COVID also a couple of months back. Any final words, uh, Dr. Ted, for all who I guess would, would learn from this dilemma or this constant um, challenge that we are faced almost every year? I'll start with the five P's. Imang letrang P on this new normal. Let's live a life of prayer. Pray as a family. Positive mental attitude. Patience. With perseverance. And with passion for life and living. And we have this five P. Then we can, you know, create smarter communities with smart homes for us to have smart family. And in this new normal, we will become smart Philippines. Thank you very much, Dr. Ted. Uh, we will leave you to your very important work of um, coordinating all of these rescue efforts. Marami pong salamat, Dr. Ted. So that was Dr. Ted Esguera. The guy has been all around the world. He was part of the team that scaled or at least helped the people or the Filipinos who scaled Mount Everest. And um, it's just such an honor to have him um, helping us as well with, with Project um, Smart Home. So I think, uh, you know, this whole experience has, has taught me personally um, a lot of things. Uh, first being that although what we intended for this project to be was an experiment, it, it was really supposed to be an experiment, a play of what could be or what was possible. But in the end, I think this was a very helpful proof of concept um, for us and also for, I guess, the residents of Marikina. I think if we are able to learn from this, there's no reason why we can't be more prepared for facing another catastrophe, another flood. And I just hope that people learn from what we were able to put out there because we, we really honestly want for people to copy this. We want for people to be inspired by it. The design is not something we would like to keep because we would like for it to be open sourced. We want for people to learn from the lessons of um, our flood adaptive smart home because we want them to also implement it in their own projects. And that's always been the goal of our flood adaptive project smart home. And through our experience and, 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 and the resident who shared with us um, their experience, I hope that you were able to also learn and, and hopefully adapt the design principles that we shared here on this podcast. And yeah, it's, it's quite, I would say, fulfilling to be able to have gone through this um, with our partners because I know that this can be the start of something that can help a lot more people. So that concludes this episode of Realty TV Podcast. And on behalf of everyone who's involved in this podcast, from the producers um, and all our partners, thank you for listening. And we hope that you learned something from listening to our conversation here today. I think um, this is the start. It, it, it's a good start. And I think if we are able to learn from this, there's no reason why we can't be more prepared for the future. We hope that another Ulysses or another Andoy doesn't happen immediately after this. 
Although if it does, um, at least we know that there are people out there who are helping and are doing something to 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 make things better, to to make the ref- rescue efforts easier, and and hopefully we all learn from from this and, and and try our best to move forward. So thank you very much and stay safe. The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia. Any content provided by the people on the podcast are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything.